Life is hectic, so wherever tomorrow takes you, be ready with Factor's chef-crafted and dietitian approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 options a week, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and more, they've got a variety that fits your lifestyle. Factor has restaurant-quality meals ready to heat and eat in just two minutes. They also have various easy options for the entire day, from breakfast to midday bites, smoothies, and more. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is a nutritious and delicious experience, and it won't break the bank. You can customize your meals by choosing 6 to 18 per week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule deliveries anytime to fit your schedule. Factor meals are 100% hassle-free, giving you more time for what matters. Head to factormeals.com slash otherside50 and use the code otherside50 to get 50% off. That's code otherside50 at factormeals.com for 50% off your delicious, hassle-free meals. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, The Other Side NDE, where we talk about the fascinating phenomena of near-death experiences. These are more than just close calls. These are first-hand accounts of what people experienced dying, leaving the body, exploring another realm, and then returning to their body in order to share that experience with you. Every person that we interview and many of us listeners believe these accounts to be undeniably true experiences people had on the other side. If you enjoy listening to stories like these, make sure to check out our YouTube channel, The Other Side NDE, where we post two to three videos every week of people sharing their NDE stories. Hi, I'm Robin Aisha Lansong, and I'm going to share some of my near-death experiences that I have not shared before. In the past, I've shared the really core experiences I had when I was eight years old in surviving the Rhodesian War, where I was shot and the bullet grazed my head and I crossed over from blood loss. And then I had a second near-death experience days later um, when there was an attack on the village and I ran to escape and I fell down, the bleeding started again and had another death experience. So those are available in other videos. So today, for the first time, I'm going to share three subsequent near-death experiences that really happened because of the trauma load in my nervous system. So I'm going to explain just a little bit before I get into the stories. There's something called parasympathetic shock. And for somebody who has had several close encounters with so much violence and having crossed over into death, Parasympathetic shock is what all mammals do when they're about to be killed, and it's mercy to not feel the actual event. So what happened when I was a teenager is that the unresolved trauma in my nervous system was literally kind of bursting out the seams. And if I got stressed or even excited, my nervous system would react by going into that shutdown state. So the first time that happened, I was having a good conversation with my boyfriend at the time. We were actually planning a nice backpacking trip together and something all of a sudden shift. And maybe because I felt safe with him, the trauma memories started to come up, but at the same time I was pushing them back down and that made a dilemma in my body. So my heart was rushing. I could feel I was feeling really faint. I said to him, something's really wrong. And within just about a minute, I could feel myself falling backwards. He got me laid down on the bed. 
and an incredible rushing of my blood pressure changing happened in my head. And I started falling, falling backwards. And when I became aware again, I was in a totally new landscape. And it was like kind of the green rolling hills of Scotland or Ireland. And I knew something was terribly wrong. I wanted to be able to get up, but parts of me were missing. And I could see from above this aerial view, like an old stone hedge, and that my heart, my essence, was lost in that stone maze. And I knew if I didn't get connected back to my heart center, that I was gonna die. And what was happening was, I just was getting weaker and weaker and that my blood pressure was just bottoming out. And so I was trying through this, looking down from above to see in the maze where my heart was beating. And I knew it was getting quieter and quieter and quieter. And without being connected to the rest of me, I was going to die. So what happened was there was a sense of this divine feminine began singing to me, kind of lifting me back up, taking me closer to my heart, and kind of scooping up all the lost parts of me, bringing me back together in this really held place in her heart. And she returned me back to my body. When I started to become conscious again, it was very uncomfortable. I was paralyzed. I felt like my whole body was full of waste and heaviness. And my boyfriend at the time reported that I had been out for about 20 minutes and that he was very scared, very concerned. And ever so slowly, it took about another 20, 30 minutes before I could, my blood pressure regained enough where I could feel my face and move my limbs. And in the household I was growing up in, I was told a lot, a lot of my experiences were very minimized and ignored. And unfortunately, my family wasn't able to you know, be in compassion or even hear my experiences. So I tried to tell my family, you know, I think something's physically wrong with me. I think maybe I should go get checked out. Um, what was happening is when I did swim meets and swim practice, I would, again, if my heart rate got to a certain point, I would pass out, go unconscious. And my coach called my parents and said, I've had to pull her out of the pool unconscious twice. You need to go get her checked out before I can let her be back in the pool again. Again, my parents weren't very attentive. They, I think they made an appointment 10 days later for a doctor's, you know, regular doctor's appointment rather than an urgent appointment. And so in the meantime, a few days later, um, I was in the kitchen, which was a brick floor, and I could feel again that incredible heart rate rushing, the need to run for my life, and this just kind of almost uh, desperate feeling to run and escape. But then my body would go into shutdown into that parasympathetic state where I couldn't feel or breathe. And I knew enough to squat down. So as I passed out, I kind of rolled onto the brick floor. And so the report from my parents is my mom is a registered nurse and she said she couldn't find a pulse or breath rate for about three or four minutes. So they had called an ambulance. So my experience was freedom was I was drifting away from the earth and being able to look back. And from my teenage perspective, really leaving all my stress, all my problems behind and floating out further. And again, there was this calmness, this peace. And I realized I had landed on this kind of raft 
and this raft was incredibly organized. And I was on this raft, kind of like literally kind of on the edge of it, laying on it. And I looked back and behind me, from my sacrum, there was a golden tether back to the earth. And I realized it was keeping me just the right distance from going too far out into the universe and keeping me anchored to the earth. And on this raft, I could look out at all this incredible beauty and spaciousness and things being created and broken apart. And when I got curious, what is this raft made of? I realized it was keeping me organized and that if I went off the raft or if the tether let me go too far, I would just become broken apart molecules and just be part of the drift and the just all the organic material out in the universe. And when later on I began to really look at this experience and I, and I got curious, what was that that I was on? And I was researching scientific images and what came closest was a cell membrane, which of course is this incredible organization in our body. And I burst into tears and realized I was both in the micro of this cell membrane and I was also in the macro of the universe. And so it just gave me this confidence that even when we're kind of focused in on some place in our life or our experience or a heartbreak is all we know, that we're also still held in the macro of the universe. And what was happening on the physical realm with my body is the ambulance crew had arrived, they resuscitated me. And when the oxygen um, and their resuscitation means brought me back, there was a moment where the oxygen mask was shifted off my face and kind of accidentally like, up in my eye, which of course is surprisingly painful. And I was telepathically saying to the ambulance attendants, like, please notice this. This is, a, this is a problem. It's a plastic edge. And just then he turned his attention towards me and shifted the mask. And and for those of us who have been through really hard things, we know that a kind gesture in these moments of desperate need just can really make all the difference for us. And I just remember my heart feeling so connected to his heart. And so I don't know what happened after that. I woke up again in the hospital. Um, they did an incredible amount of tests on me and found, of course, very high stress levels. But at that time, they didn't have the context of um, the post-traumatic stress and what that looks like biologically. So they just told me, literally, oh, you're just too worried about your grades at school and you should just kind of mellow out. And I remember at the end of all these tests and then you know, seeing all these episodes happen, again, they didn't have polyvagal theory and really deep understanding of nervous system and trauma. So they literally just sent me home saying, just, you know, don't stress so much. And I remember sitting across from this MD, this huge mahogany table, all his degrees behind him, and him never asking me, are you safe at home? You know, what is it that makes you this stressed that your body goes into this level of shock? So I actually even repressed my trauma response. And I went off to college and was having a really different experience of really a community where I could open up, start to share my experience there was discussions about abuse. There was discussions about childhood history. And so all of this was starting to open up. 
And I began to have nightmares about the childhood sexual assault. And so I had that nightmare and I didn't know what to do with it. And I went to class. And again, I was with people that were safe, that were open-hearted. And one other student was giving a presentation. And again, the huge rush of the urge to run for my life, the heart pounding, the buzzing in my ears. And I interrupted and I said, I'm gonna pass out. Don't worry about me. It might look bad. It might look like I'm not breathing, but don't worry about me. I'll be okay. Just put a blanket on me. So I went down. Again, they couldn't find a heart rate. I, they couldn't detect any breathing. So of course they did the right thing and called the EMTs. And this campus had an EMT program. So they were there in just a moment. And as I was leaving my body, I was in the tunnel again. And because I'd crossed over so many times before, it was incredibly peaceful and I just wanted to stay there to get restored, to get refreshed. Because my life was feeling so difficult of having all this repressed trauma and not knowing how to heal. And so I'm drifting further away, but I can still hear people talking. It's like as if they were speaking in a tube and it would make it to me and it was still coherent. And one of my friends was crying and she was saying, you have so much to live through. And she knew I love nature. So she was describing birds singing in the woods. And we had been on many hikes together. So she was reminding me of why it would be so good for me to come back. And I thought, oh, I really want to spend time in here. It's so lovely. I'm so deeply welcome home here, but my friends are really scared. So maybe I should consider heading back. So by then the EMTs had arrived and I could hear the lead person was actually one of my friends. And I knew him well enough that I knew he became an EMT because he had done a suicide attempt and it was the EMTs who were so good to him and kind to him when they resuscitated him and saved his life. So that was his devotion. And so I felt very comforted knowing it was him. And I could hear them using it like the scissors to cut open the front of my shirt and they were putting the AED pads on my heart. And I thought, that's so nice of them that cut open my shirt and just come out here and take their time to help me. And then I heard clear and I felt the vaults even all the way in the tunnel. And, and what I want to get across is when you're actually dead, the vault feels good. The AD vault felt great. It felt like the best massage in the world. And so, boom, it drew me back in the tunnel closer to my body and I was like, that's, that's so nice of them, but I kind of would like them to stop because they're disrupting my peaceful experience. So again, I heard clear and I felt the vault, boom. It, it moved me almost right at the cusp of coming back out of the tunnel into my body. And so the third time I heard clear, they vaulted me, boom, it landed me back in my body. And then I thought, ooh, that didn't feel so good. <laughs> I didn't like that and I really want them to stop. And so again, my conscious awareness is a bit low, so I have to go from the reports of other people. They said what happened next is that I started speaking about the repressed trauma that I had from childhood. I don't remember saying any of this. And when I asked them later what I said, they were so shocked by what I'd said. They really couldn't bring themselves to share it back with me. So I was still on the edge between going unconscious and coming back. But because of my childhood experience, I didn't like to be repressed. So the first words that came out of my mouth were, don't strap me down. And, you know, so of course it's protocol when you put somebody on the gurney to strap them down so they don't dump you. But I 
sat up from being unconscious, pulled the straps off, said, I told you, don't strap me down, and then went back to being unconscious. Apparently, this scared some of the EMTs. They thought maybe I was like, I don't know, coming back from the other side. It, they didn't know how to make sense of that. So um, I did stabilize. They took me to the hospital, just gave me some IV. And, and it really was the gift of it was one, my experience of getting refreshed from that divine love that is available in the tunnel. And it was also the beginning of my healing process. After that, I couldn't um, go back to repressing my trauma. And so I reached out to resources and began my healing process. During my first death experience, I was called back to the life by a rural African woman singing to me. And that opened up inside me my ability to hear the song that each person is born with inside. And so I learned from her the gift of singing that song back to people. So I hope that's helpful for you that I shared all of that. And I just want other trauma survivors to know that your trauma response, your nervous system response is okay. And so whenever we have shaking or things come up for us, it's all normal mammal response. So may my stories be of service to your healing. Thank you.